It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, what up, what up, what's going on? It's Frequency, producer extraordinaire. You're checking out the mixtape with my man Six Sense and Mick Boogie. Go for it. Yeah. It's your boy Six Sense. Let's go. Yeah, you know what it is. From the moment you come over the bridge and I'm going to show you some shit. Eight million roaming the strip. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is New York HR. Oh, man, COVID, uh, presidents getting COVID. Like, man, can we, you know what, we need some, like, uh, we need some killer B or something to add to 2020. What a crazy, crazy year this is. Um, I'm excited today. I am bringing you... Um, a really interesting conversation. And, and, you know, we like to call BS here on the podcast on a lot of things. And I think, you know, what we're going to talk about today, um, you know, it's, it's a touchy subject to call BS on, um, but I, I want to do it. I think we, we have to do it. I think uh, there's a lot of opinions um, in light of Black Lives Matter and events that happened this year. It's a big focus for folks. So uh, I'm excited to introduce Vern Howard. He is the CEO of, at Halo. Uh, Halo is a diversity recruiting platform, and it helps connect college students across the country with leading companies like Apple and Google. Vern, how are you doing today? Great, great. Thanks for having me on the show, man. No, I, I appreciate it. So so, you know, I, you know the, the format of the show. We like to call BS on the status quo. We like to call BS on some of the things that we, we're all too familiar with in, in human resources and recruiting. Tell me why today. Why, why do you want to call the diversity, uh, BS on diversity recruiting? What's, what's going on? What's your opinion on this? And, and, uh, and then, of course, you know, the format. So we call BS and then we say, all right, here's the new way of thinking about this or here's the idea that we have to kind of disrupt. So uh, talk to me a little bit about why this is a, an important topic for you. Right. I, I think the space that we're in now is, is I'm calling BS on it because what we're seeing now is a ton of companies are throwing money at an issue. And it's been consistently happening over over a short span of time where Folks are like, okay, great, this is actually an issue. I want my company to look like we're on the right side of history. So let's throw, you know, a couple million dollars at diversity, hire a chief diversity officer who really, for the for the most part, honestly can't move the needle. And, you know, kind of like a checkbox, checkmark thing. Like we hired one person of color to come manage the diversity issues, and we threw $10, $50 million at the problem, and now everything's solved. And that's BS. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I don't, I don't know if you've ever read. There's a book, Diversity Inc. Um, and one of the things that was interesting, I, I read it. Um, there was a stat. There's, and, and you talked about it. You talk about, you know, a couple of million. It's a billion dollar industry. It is a billion dollar industry. Uh, diversity and inclusion, consulting platforms, etc. 
But there was an interesting stat, and they said that the Fortune 5, the amount of um, uh, CEOs that were black men in the Fortune 500 over the past 10 to 15 years actually went down. It went down, right? So you're spending billions of dollars to affect something, and it's not working. And it's and you're right. I see so many of these chief diversity officers being announced um, constantly. I mean, it, it is, it was before it's accelerated now. And I love that these people are getting these high paying power jobs. I love it. Um, but to me, the opportunity here is put, you know, put a person from an underrepresented community on your board, put them as your CEO. That's where the real change, put them in your C-suite, not necessarily just as a chief diversity officer. So, but what, like, so what's the solution? What's your, what's your thoughts around this? Cause it's easy to call BS on things. Cause if it wasn't, I wouldn't have this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah what's what's the how to how to company because i think most hr people are smart most are really caring they want they don't want to be a check the box so what what do they do in in this uh in this world how do they make change yeah i think a lot of it is like this is the thing for me i, I think a lot of people throw throw money at the issue because they don't want to actually have the uncomfortable conversations i think you mentioned that right the uncomfortable conversations make people look at what's going on in their own home. It's funny, in such an industry, especially tech, right, where we rely on data and numbers and facts so many times, when we pull facts and diversity metrics, like you said, no one wants to look at those. They're kind of like, ah, is this a real thing? It's like, yeah, this is your due diligence right here, right? You use that to do deals for millions of dollars, but you don't want to look at the data to kind of check your own home. I think one of the most authentic things we can do as companies, one, is understand what these different communities need to come one work for us and how do we foster that kind of environment to, to, to hire more people that are from diverse backgrounds, but also retain them. Right. I think what we see a lot of times is folks are like, Oh yeah, I hired all these people and women and minorities and underrepresented, you know, from different backgrounds and, and then they leave. Right. And we're seeing that a ton because it's not authentic and, and we need to have conversations with different people in these, like in these communities. I think one organization that's like really huge right now is a uh, UNCF, which is like, a ton of the historically black colleges, a lot of these students aren't getting the opportunity to talk to different companies and educate companies on what they need specifically to say, I want to work at whatever X major top five tech brand in the world. Um, And I think those conversations need to just had, and it needs to be an open environment that people don't get offended. They just kind of are willing to listen. So. So talk to me about your, and, and I agree. I mean, I think, you know, understanding what these folks need, um, it's, it's the, there's, there's two bookends to this equation. One is at the beginning, are we making sure that we're hiring from underrepresented communities, right? So that's the, and, and to me, and, and going back to your comment about data, um, I, I always say this, and it's, and, and I don't know if you agree or not, I'd love your thoughts, but when, when you report human resource or people metrics, what happens is if it's good, if the metric is a positive metric, everyone celebrates, no one questions it. But if it's a bad metric, everyone questions it. The data, was it, is, it, is it dirty data? Is it correct? Are we looking at it the right way? It's just this dynamic that happens in, in people in HR that's, that's pretty fascinating to me. And, and, uh, and, of course, you want to make sure the data is completely accurate on both sides. But my point 
you know, at the beginning, you need to make sure that you have a diverse workforce, but you're right, the inclusiveness, are we, are we fostering that? And, and what does it take? So tell me, like, what's your, what's your background? I know we just, I, it's, I'm so excited about this conversation, I just dove right in. Tell me a little bit about yourself. And why is this, um, uh, you know, something that you're passionate about and why, you know, why you want to call BS on it? Right. So, so for me, I have like a non-traditional story to getting to tech and being a founder and raising money, which is insane for, from where I'm from. But I, I'm actually from Rochester, New York, which is like upstate New York. Nothing to do there but like play in the snow because <laughs> it's home to snow and ski. Um, I played lacrosse all through high school, graduated at 16. I was really gifted in math. Didn't know what I wanted wow. to do after college. My mom went to RIT, which is a top technical school. And yep. uh, my dad was a math major. He's a mathematician. So I, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. 16, you graduate that early and you're smart. You feel like you can just do whatever. You can kind of take some time to chill. I took a year to chill and ended up listening to my mom and going to college. Um, I went to Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia. I was choosing between some of the other schools in the area. They, they didn't really fit my culture. Um, Virginia Commonwealth is like a really, it's kind of like they call it like a hipster school, which I don't know, but it's like very focused on art and brand and design, things that I like. Um, went there, studied computer information systems with a concentration in mathematics, graduated in 2012, got to the career fair. Two companies I was interested in talking to, JPM was interested in the sales and trading program, and then Capital One uh, just was like a different style bank at that time. They were like calling themselves a digital bank, and I ultimately settled on Capital One. You're like, hey, we're our competition isn't Morgan Stanley, it's Facebook. Which in 2012, like huh. digital banks, non-brick and mortar banks, that wasn't a thing. And ultimately, I started my career at Capital One, um, built out their first mobile banking application, and rotated over to being a white hat hacker there. Um, thereafter, it was awesome. I got my CEH with some guys from the NSA, tested in the one percentile. Like, cool. Really good. Yeah, and then. Started trading my bonus randomly at Capital One because I was bored, and I got hired to sit on the derivatives trading floor at Capital One and help traders book trades in this platform called Murex. So I did a little of everything at Capital One, but one thing I was really passionate about on the side was, you know, tons of VPs and upper-level management. Like, this kid didn't go to Ivy League school. He graduated 16, went to, like, by no means a top-tier college, and then he got to Capital One, and he's running laps around everyone. How do we find more people like this? And I was like, well, you don't go to enough schools. Right, you don't interact with enough students to even scale your diversity efforts or whatever efforts you have to like find untapped talent. I don't care if it's like a, a random guy in in middle of Idaho. Capital One didn't visit there. Most companies only go to like where other companies go, right? Um, right. Top 10, 15, 20 schools. So I was like, well, I'm going to build something that lets any company, regardless of where they're at, interact with every student in the U.S. And with a focal point on the student experience that I don't have to go to the top tier school, um, but I'll still be able to interact with companies and gather information on how to get a job there, what they're looking for, and build that network that I might not have because I might not have went to the right school or my family might not be that family that has all the connections. I'll be able to do that online, which is really supposed to be the power of the internet. And I initially built out Hollow um, 2017. Raised, raised some money from some, some pretty cool investors. And then uh, since then, we scaled to over uh, 1,200 universities, sorry. And uh, we've hosted over 88 companies on the platform today. So, 
Incredible. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's what an incredible story. I mean, just, you know, graduating at 16. Um, I don't even want to tell you what I was doing in high school at 16. So kudos to you. Um, and I think, you know, some of that influence, obviously mom and dad being super smart and, yeah. and having that, that influence, especially RIT, you know, a great, great technical school. Um, we're, I'm in New York. I like to say, I shout out to, to folks here, uh, Brooklyn, you know, a middle-class kid from Brooklyn. Um, so I know Rochester, uh, you know, only in in uh, in mapping and and and, uh, and snow and uh, in, in big snowstorms. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I've ever been there. So, uh, well, but it's know. interesting. You know, it's it's this this whole concept of people scratching their heads, especially around recruiting, saying, you know, I just don't know why we can't find the right folks, or I I don't understand why we can't really find folks that fit our our roles from underrepresented communities and 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 you you nailed it on the head you're just not you're not looking you know you're going to harvard you're going to these schools where you know and a lot of times the hiring manager is hiring somebody that that graduated from their alma mater right so yep. um you're just not scouring so how does how does halo solve that i know we're not talking about a commercial for halo here but i'd be remiss not to ask because you're solving the BS, right? You're you're calling the BS out and solving it. So how does Halo solve for that? Right. What we noticed was, to your point, like companies didn't have a strategy on why they were going to certain schools. They were just going, right? The hiring manager went to Michigan, so we're going to go there. The head of growth went to Stanford, so we're going to go there. There was no real strategy. And once I was able to see that, I was like, well, why don't we use data? And what I noticed is in the event space, right now it's super analog. You, you, know, you show up at Grace Hopper, which is awesome, or you go to a certain school, which is awesome, but you don't, as a company, right, you're spending money to do these things. And businesses need to understand success or like what does success mean or like the ROI. Now, the reason they go to the same schools is because they know the hiring manager went to Michigan and they know the ROI of that caliber of talent. So they know how to qualify him, right? right. When they go talk about another school that's out of their kind of like bandwidth or their range, they don't know how to qualify these students. They don't know the ROI of going to this school. So what we actually did was we built Hollow in the sense of like, yes, one, you can host events and interact with students across the U.S. at a low barrier to entry, meaning you don't have to fly there. You can actually interact with these students on our platform online from the comfort of your home, right, during COVID, from the comfort of your home or office. Um, <laughs> after that, we show you data. So we collect 40 data points on every student, which they opt into giving us to, to, to get a well-rounded sense of who they are, the student to the companies. But we also collect metrics on that event, meaning how many students showed up. Of the students that showed up, what backgrounds were they from? What cities are they from? Do they need visa sponsorship? What do they need from you? We actually run qualitative surveys on these students to say, what do you need from Acme Co. before you click apply? These intensive metrics will actually let a company see who they are in the market, how demo different demographics feel about them, and then understand what levers to pull and push to say, like, wow, this is how we're showing up in the market. If I want to recruit or attract more women or more underrepresented mi minorities, here's what I need to do. And I think that's something right. that we've never asked, those hard questions, right? Like, what do we look like and how do we fix it? No one wants to look at the, like, what do we look like metric. Everyone wants to just <laughs> yeah, press release it. So. You know, I think the data, we always tell companies, like, instead of just making up or, like, taking darts and throwing them at a map, why don't we use data to tell your story? Right? That's the easiest method. Let's use the data and tell the real story and how you're going about fixing it. And you can only do that with authentic conversations with different people from different communities. And this is the easiest way to do it because in a business sense, you're saving time. And let's be frank, you're saving a ton of money by doing this all online versus 
flying around. So. And so a company, how, how do they engage with, with Halo? Are they going on and they're, they're signing up, they're putting their company, is it like a typical, and, and as a HR professional and a recruiter, where you know you you go on to all these different systems handshake is one right for the college yeah. experience and other things is it similar to that where you're putting your information in and then going out or are you creating an event that then brings people together how does it how does it work right 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 so we have an awesome head of community i'll shout her out i shout her out on every podcast now you mean so what we do is we we talk to a company and we ask them what are your goals so they'll give us goals of what they're trying to do this this season we will actually create a live event on Hollow. So you mentioned some of the other players in the space. Hollow right now is one of the only players that have launched their own live video proprietary technology. So we can actually let a company right now with up to four hosts host a live session and scale to over 100,000 students concurrently at the same time to interact. So company hosts will join on their event of that day for an hour, and students can actually type in questions, and the host will answer the questions real live in, in live time over video much like you and I joining a Zoom call, if you will. Um, thereafter, we collect metrics on those interaction points from the students asking questions. What questions were popular? Which ones didn't get answered? Which ones got viewed the most? Which ones got upvoted the most? So we can actually look at this less about recruiting, more from a marketing standpoint of like, what is going on here and what do we look like in the market as a company? And companies love to be able to interact with students. I mean, everyone loves video now as well, since we're kind of all in the house, right? <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so part of it also is really understanding you, you mentioned before, which I think is really interesting because I don't think we know as heads of HR, as companies, what it's going to take to attract someone to our company. Right. Um, and yeah. so talk a little bit about that. You talked about some qualitative surveying. How does that work? And is there a match algorithm or am I getting too advanced in terms of Oh, my company. This is how I'm positioned, and you know, this these this these section of folks here would be interested in in working for me. Or is it just literally you're getting information and making the match in, in some way? Right, right, right. So no, we do have a match algorithm on the back end. It's called the Hollow Score, and what it is is Hollow's unique score that we give to every student. It's actually balanced out so that it it levels the playing field. So students who don't go to kind of like the top tier. Schools are still credited and given a higher score as well for their engagement. Um, how many questions they ask, and kind of like a hustle metric, like how much grit do you have, right? What we noticed from looking at data was the students who do not go to like the top tier Ivy League schools, they actually have to, they, they work a ton harder because I mean, they have to, right? They might not, they, this might be their only shot to meet one of these top companies. So they're in there asking questions and joining all these events, which is awesome because that's, that's me, that's my story. Um, yep. But the, Surveys are really, really impressive because as a company, to your point, a lot of us, you know, they, they don't know what's needed to attract this level of talent. And there's never been a platform at scale where they can interact with people from different communities and ask them these questions, which is needed. Um, so the surveys are fully customizable. So we actually sit down with companies and build out these surveys for them. And we can actually target the surveys to different regions, different schools, different demos to understand what people care about. And you can imagine right now, I think that the survey response we get um, is over 60% of students will respond to a survey after they join an event because they want to be able to, you know, flip the coin over and say, hey, you know, company X, I want to tell you just exactly how I feel and what I would need from you for me to want to work there. And I think that's where the market is going anyway. Um, for the most part, 
I just turned 31, so I was like, I, I feel older now. My generation, <laughs> you know, we were still in the middle of that kind of like, we want to explore, but also, you know, we know we need a steady job. And we were there, but like the younger generation, that Gen Z, they, if it's not aligned with their values, the company, they won't work there. They will literally say, no, I'm not going to work here. I'm going to go build a, a like new app to do whatever. And I'm going to go raise money and build my own company because I would never work there. And no, and no right. matter how much you pay, no matter how much perks or the benefits, they will literally say no. And I think as the market continues to shift to a more authentic workspace, companies have to play ball, right? And as we can see in the market right now, every company is hiring ahead of employer branding, which is telling us that brand matters way more now than it did 10 years ago. And with social media and exposure, and to your point, with everything being like recorded and taped and screenshotted, I mean, as a company, you have to make sure your brand's on point. And we're seeing that just with the response to, you know, tons of companies, the Wells Fargo thing. Like, it's just, you know, massive, massive cleanup yep. at scale. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, I love, I'm um, in the middle of writing a book now on Gen Z and how people need to start, and, and companies need to start thinking about how to attract those. I think a lot of us were surprised with the millennials, with you millennials coming in, um, that we needed to change the thinking. And so we kind of were behind the eight ball, so to, so to speak, um, around that. And now I think it's important for us to identify, okay, how do we, how do we think about the next generation before, you know, they're coming right. in now, right? They're coming in into the workplace. And so we have to be better prepared for that. So I'd love to sidebar on that and, and talk to you offline about maybe contributing a quote or something around diversity for, for Gen Z. Uh, in the sure. book, but I won't, I won't, I won't keep you on, on record here saying yes. So we'll talk <laughs> about that offline. Um, okay. the, the interesting thing, and I, I think it almost could be potentially a side business. So, so the fact that I don't know, let me ask you a question on the surveying that you do in terms of what people want, what these students want, are you able to slice and dice that through demographics and, and yep. other ways? And, and are you doing that? Cause to me, that is really, you know, when I think about employer branding, right? So it's so much, so much of what we do is after the fact, right? So I'm going to, to, to these students and I'm saying, hey, come and work at Susie, and they say no, right? And sometimes maybe I'll get some feedback and most times I won't. I won't know why they say no. You're going in and you're actually finding out this is what they want. So I would use that data, that research to be able to go to companies and say, this is what they want, right? This is what folks want. You need to start thinking about even before you reach out to these folks, how are you branding against that? So um, tell me a little bit more about that piece, because uh, that's interesting to me. Yeah, I think the biggest thing we're seeing is that that survey is ridiculous. One company I really love is a Qualtrics. Um, they figured a lot of that out just by asking unique questions. But we, we will basically allow a company after they host an event to run a survey um, targeted to some of the students that have engaged with them. They can customize the survey fully. And one survey we ran, we just asked students pretty much, like, what is it? Like, what makes you get over the line here? Is it compensation? Is it the right project? Is it the team? Is it the location? Is it the benefits? Like, what is it, right? And I, I don't remember the return on that survey, but a company was actually able to sit back and see, oh, it wasn't actually compensation. It was something that we weren't thinking about. I remember I had a mentor one day, and he, he told me he was hiring people, and he always was, like, trying to, you know, he wanted to be super competitive with, like, equity and, like, salary and base salary. He's like, oh, yeah, this is the thing. And he said the one 
top person he really wanted to hire came in one day and said, hey, like, I only have a couple questions, but my main one is like, is there free lunch every day? Which, I mean, right, as a, you know, we never think that. We're like, oh, yeah, you want the high salary and the most benefits and the equity. But he just, guy was like, yeah, I want the free lunch. Is that is that a thing? <laughs> or, you know, you, as you said, like, we don't know what, especially someone from a different background or demo or whatever would need, right? Or even sometimes in the same background. Every, everyone just needs different things. And in this space, I think as we continue to get more data and understand what people need, this recruiting process can can become organic right it doesn't have to be like a hustle spray and pray kind of thing it can be it can literally be organic and you can tailor your culture and your company and your brand and your how you kind of show you show up in the world to attract the talent you want to remain competitive it's not hard it's just we have to start somewhere and and understand who we are which is those hard questions that you mentioned and that's and that to me to me the you know the connection piece super important but to be able to get an idea so and and I I seriously would love to talk offline on some of the data that maybe you have already around this particularly supporting the Gen Z focus because I I'd, I'd love to to talk through that and even give hollow a nod because I think it's you know there's a level of research that's out there but it's also pretty when you have a system like yours which is gathering data and touch points almost on a real time regular basis to me, that information is highly valuable. Like I, I think what you're seeing across all these different clients, all these different students can be really informative to companies, um, even as, you know, and, and I don't want to, I'm not your CMO and, and, and by any means, but, you know, that, that it could be a, a, you know, here's our three page white paper on how to do these things or here's you know here's a brochure on what we're seeing in the marketplace an infographic whatever it is i think you're you probably have sitting on some really really cool data um you know as you're as you're getting this feedback um i i'd love to to dive in a little bit so we we've talked about you know i, I mentioned before the bookends of 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 uh, of this and i guess my, my before i go into that so the way you position hollow in the marketplace you're not necessarily is it are you pitching it as a diversity recruiting tool or is it just getting to students that normally you wouldn't get to? How are you positioning it? Right, right. So the position of hollow in the market, and we constantly like figured this out was one thing with diversity is right now I feel like it's a buzzword. So for me to say, Hey, this is a diversity platform. Sometimes I'm talking to a couple clients or companies and they look at that they hear that word, and for them, it instantly becomes silver bullet. So I actually try not to use it as much. If you go to our homepage, diversity is not – it might be there one or two times, but I try not to even mention it that much. Um, because how I built our team is we show up in the world as a diverse organization, so we value that. And that's what I see across the board as well And in, in certain companies that use the word diversity very fluidly and say, we'll help, your diverse, we'll help you be diverse, and you look at their board, and it's, you know, not diverse. Um, or their team is not us, right? It's especially a lot of the companies in the space right now. Um, but what we actually position ourselves as is, is, a, is a talent relationship platform for branding, right? And we always use the word brand, right? We don't think recruiting is just an HR thing. We think your employees are recruiting for you every day. So we brand hollow as a talent relationship platform um, that lets you as a brand build relationships with your end user, which are people who you want to work for you. Now, in, in doing that, we'll see a software engineer who's a female at a certain company host an event online, and it goes back to you can't be what you can't see. 
you'll see an, an event like that over-index in, in women joining because they want to see someone who's similar to them and hear their experiences at the company versus like someone who's totally not in their range and talking to them or pitching them on a company. No one wants to be sold anymore. So um, the, the, the positioning is super simple. It's like you want to build talent relationships for your brand and hollows your place. If you want to build transactional relationships and check a box, then we're, we're likely not for you. And we, we've turned some folks away, um, actually. Interesting. Yeah, it's, um, I, I think it's an incredible idea. And I think, uh, like I said, I think what you'll, you're going to sit on in terms of the interactions and the data that you're going to get is, is, is pretty, pretty powerful stuff that can influence a lot of strategy at the, at, the, at the beginning, not even at the connection stage, but really how do I position my company? Um, and, and I'm looking, you know, you just got a, a, a you know, impressive set of team members, advisors, and from different companies. I, I, I have to ask, so black T-shirts only. What uh, can you talk a little bit about that, and and why you're wearing a white T-shirt? When no, I'm kidding. I'm not going to call you out on it. But uh, right. I'm just right. Care, what's with just black T-shirts? Is that is that your thing? Yeah, it's super funny. My team always rags on me about that. They're like, yeah, black T-shirts only, but you're in a white T-shirt in this photo. Um, <laughs> so I wasn't the only yeah, one who knows. Okay. Yeah, no, it was. So all I basically I only wear T-shirts. So most of my T-shirts are either like band T-shirts. Because I'm in like tons of music T-shirts. Uh, I love music, or like they're just black T-shirts. And out of nowhere, I remember my grandmother was doing something. Like every time I go somewhere, she's like, "Oh, let me do your laundry, right?" Which is nice. She's like, "Oh, you only have black T-shirts." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's weird, right? I have no color T-shirts. I don't know why. I have no idea why. Maybe I just like black T-shirts." The thing, it's though, simple. So it's it's simple. It's yeah, self-aware. It's I was just like, "Oh, this is easy. Let me just put black T-shirts only because that's actually a thing." I love it. That that yeah. Listen, that could be you know the uh, Steve Jobs uh, turtleneck or a Zuckerberg with a hoodie or whatever black T-shirt. I like it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I know we have a couple of minutes uh, left here. Um, I I wanted to dive a little bit. So we talked a lot about recruiting, but I know you you're also focused a little bit, not maybe with Halo, but just your interest around diversity training and 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 that stuff. Do you feel like um, how do you feel about that like how that's going and and do you think we're making any progress there or thing what needs to be fixed around diversity training uh, what i noticed is I, i've talked to a ton of like chros and most of the but the budget is surprising most of the budget for diversity went to like diversity bias training which i think is broken also what i noticed in the market as well as like diversity training a lot of the top tier companies in that space aren't run by people who are facing these issues, which might be broken. Um, because you can't really train someone on something that you haven't done, right? If it's a, imagine if I'm just like, hey, you know, let me be the coach for the Lakers. And they're like, well, do you play basketball? I'm like, oh, no, I play lacrosse. You know, same thing, though. But <laughs> not, really, not really, right? It's totally different. So yeah. I think that's the problem in this space that I'm seeing some of the people who are getting recognized in this space to say I'm going to be the diversity bias coach or diversity training mentor they're not from that background to be able to really dive deep there and share experiences that's one piece um and i think a lot of it is fluff to where like maybe we just sit down and have these conversations openly it, it, i think you hit it on the head it's like a lot of people just don't want to have the conversation it's uncomfortable we don't feel good about it so we just skip over it and we give the fifty thousand dollar diversity budget to a training that we all join and fill out a packet and hold hands sing songs and then we leave and then we we never pick that packet up again and that's broken right 
So, yeah. Is there, yeah. is there anything that, that, that you would recommend? Like, is it, have you seen anything or anyone in that space that you're like, all right, they, they actually have the right, the right focus or the right strategy. Um, I'm constantly looking. I think one strategy that I've seen work well at companies is like certain focus groups. Like I know certain companies have like different groups where they create to create safe spaces for people from different backgrounds and communities. I think it works well because what you start to see is once people from different backgrounds, the demos can build community within your organization. It's not, it's not exclusive to people who are only from those backgrounds. Others can join and hear those conversations. And I think as you can create an open culture where people can talk about things, that's, that's easier. I think that's the easiest method. Um, I think a lot of the other stuff right now is a bit gimmicky, but TBD, put, let's put a pin in it. And, and if I find a company that I can shout out, I'll definitely do it. Cool. Yeah, and and that's uh, I went off script there, so I uh, just want to make, <laughs> but I because because I'm in the same boat. I am, you know, I'm head of HR for for a company, and so this is um, something that I'm working on. And I, you know, going back, I think you mentioned it at the very beginning. I am not a check the box. I mean, this podcast is a perfect example of how I'm not the check the box kind of person uh, in in anything in my life, and and I'm struggling to to find. Um, you know, something that one really blows my hair back, you know, like really go, I, I look back and I go, wow, that was pretty powerful, but also something that's effective. Right. Uh, and, and I, I just been struggling there. So that's why I asked the question that was more for my HR notebook uh, than the podcast. So um, with a couple of minutes left here, I, you know, so how do people reach out to you? What's happening with it? Can you give us an update on the company? What, what what's happening with the company and then how do how do hr folks reach out to you to get set up and 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 uh and what does that look like right right so anyone who wants to reach out to us um for for sure you can connect with me on linkedin i uh i actively check that and kind of answer and field messages as they come through um if you're interested in signing up for hollow um any company on that 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 kind of comes through um can sign up for free uh, on the platform it's just H-A-L-L-O-T-H-E-R-E.com. You can sign up for free. And then once you sign up, our team will reach out to kind of schedule events or understand what you want to get out of the platform. Um, but what's next for us is we're really interested in like, what's interesting about this space right now is like, this is the first time in history that every like parent, student, teacher is like fully immersed in educational or ed tech, if you will, platforms at a level that they are for like consumer social media platforms. Um, because we're all you know, in the house, there's like online learning. It's just interesting what happens with the space, but also the fact that the educational system is kind of breaking down, which needed to happen because it's all based on socioeconomic status and like money. Um, so some students, like some of the top students now are saying like, oh, I'm not going to go to this school and pay $50,000 a uh, semester for Zoom. I'm going to just go to the community college down the street, study computer science, and then build something cool. And Google will still hire me. Also, Google launched Google Genius, which I continuously keep shouting out. Um, because what, what happens when Google says, well, instead of your degree from Stanford, we value Google Genius credentialing, and we'll let you start as a software engineer here. Like, does that break the model of, like, traditional education? So all those things, as what's coming next for Hollow, are very interesting to me. And, uh, yeah, everybody kind of be on the lookout for, for what we're pushing out next. Love it. I love it. Well, let's call it a wrap down that. I, I, I love the company. I wish you nothing success um and i'm by the way i just signed up and i sent you a LinkedIn request so uh 
uh, hopefully we'll get to, to work together. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I, I, I think the idea is brilliant. I think you're brilliant. Um, and I'm really excited. And I love just folks that are kind of challenging the status quo. Um, so really appreciate your time today, Vern. It's been really a pleasure meeting you. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to watch from afar here and, and you'll have a cheerleader in, in uh, New York. So uh, Cool. Thanks so much. And thanks for having me on the show, man. Have a good one. Be yeah. well. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.